This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A huge boost to families with children in daycare. We're happy to share today that we're going to cut fees again. How parents could save thousands of dollars a year. New details about the lockdown at BC Women's Hospital. It was reported to VPD that there was a woman in the hospital who was in possession of a knife. How a distraught mother was handled and why nurses say they need better protection. And how about a long weekend every weekend? We want to make sure that Merit is an employer of choice. The BC municipality testing out a four-day work week. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Working families who rely on childcare are getting a huge boost that should put more money back in their pockets. The provincial government is announcing cuts to childcare fees that amount to hundreds of dollars a month. Still, critics say it's a far cry from the savings the BC NDP promised parents. Kylie Stanton reports. Yeah, when you texted me, that was like... I knew exactly what it was. The news traveled fast Friday morning over messages, emails and coffee. It's incredible. Parents throughout the province celebrating a massive reduction in childcare fees. It's a huge amount of money that we're going to be saving. We all needed this. We needed this win. The province, in partnership with the federal government, announcing it's taking another major step towards the goal of $10 a day childcare. This is huge. With funding from the $3.2 billion Canada-BC Early Learning Child Care Agreement, fees will be reduced $550 a month for infant toddlers, $445 a month for three to five-year-olds, and $220 a month for kindergarten students in after-school care. This is on top of the fee reduction of $350 a month that's been in place since 2018. Which brings the total up to $900 per month per child savings to families. Shine and they shine and they shine all around. 96% of eligible childcare spaces for kids in kindergarten or younger are participating in the fee reduction initiative. And because the funding will be given to childcare providers directly, the savings will be applied automatically, regardless of income. This is separate from the affordable child care benefit and the $10 a day child care program. Because of the connections and the partnerships that we have, we're able to deliver to families by December 1st. We have costumes out here sometimes. But securing one of the coveted spots in a licensed facility is still a challenge. And while work is being done to expand the number of spaces, advocates say it's equally important to recruit and retain those providing the care. We can have as many buildings and spaces as we want, but without those educators and the workforce being there for them, they're just empty buildings. For now, these changes will reduce the average childcare cost from $53 a day to 21 The province is committed to getting that down to $10 a day by the end of 2026. It's going to be so... So helpful. And while these parents won't likely have children in care at that point, reaping some of the benefits along the way 
is more than they could have ever hoped for. It's a bit of a, a moment that you could actually breathe. Kylie Stanton, Global News. BC nurses say a violent police takedown at Women's Hospital Thursday morning is just the latest example of the dangers they face on the job. Police used a beanbag gun against a woman who chased a doctor and threatened staff in the maternity ward. Catherine Urquhart has the story. Infants and mothers were close by, as were hospital staff, when an armed woman confronted individuals at BC Women's Hospital Thursday morning. Police say the suspect had chased a doctor and lunged at another staff member. Staff in the hospital were sheltering in rooms, taking shelter in rooms, and that staff members had uh, locked themselves uh, in a nursery with a number of babies. Sources say the suspect had just been advised that her infant was being apprehended by the ministry and the weapon was a pair of scissors. When police arrived on scene, they shot her with a beanbag gun and took her into custody. These types of calls, quite luckily, are um, fairly um, low frequency but extremely high risk. The incident is prompting questions about security at Women's Hospital. There was an incident two weeks ago where they found a loaded 9mm gun in a patient room and they have brought this to management's attention but still nothing is being done. And there will be a comprehensive review of the incident by our Joint Occupational Health and Safety Committee and uh, the union will be involved in that. Provincial Health Services Authority told Global News the campus continues to be safe and secure for patients, their families, staff and visitors. Vancouver police say there will be discussions with the health authority about the incident. Did the hospital handle it appropriately? As I said, our investigation is ongoing and that's something we'll certainly be exploring. The suspect faces charges for assault, weapons possession and breach of probation. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A former Metro Vancouver hockey coach has been sentenced to jail for child pornography, extortion and child luring. The man can't be identified due to a publication ban. Port Moody police say their investigation began in 2019 into a youth hockey coach at the Burnaby Winter Club. Police identified a number of victims, many of whom had direct contact with the suspect. The coach pleaded guilty to importation, distribution and possession of child porn as well as to luring and extortion. He's been sentenced to three and a half years in jail. Some of the victims are believed to be known to the offender, while some of the victims are not. One of the common themes here, though, was uh, messaging apps and social media used to lure potential victims. And so this is a great reminder of the dangers of uh, you know, social media and, and messaging apps. Police say in this case, well over 200 young people have been exploited. Well, as any small business owner knows, it's hard to find good people, especially now with workers retiring and moving on to other adventures. The problem is even more acute in smaller communities, and some are trying a different approach to keep workers happy. Romina Dea has the story of Merit and its move to a four-day work week. A four-day work week in Merit. Would it be enough to entice you? and keep you there. Our chance to differentiate ourselves, to make sure that we have uh, people who feel valued, that they have the chance to just uh, enjoy life and know it. Coming soon, municipal offices will close Mondays. Staff working longer hours, 8 a.m. to 5.45 p.m., Tuesday to Friday, to make up the time. Their pay not affected. 
We're aware that as a municipality of only 7,000 people, we have a relatively low tax base, and so it's difficult for us to um, compete with other larger municipalities like, say, a Kelowna or a Kamloops, or even a Vernon or a Penticton on salary alone. A permanent three-day weekend, every week, a popular trend in municipalities across the country, including in Ontario and New Brunswick. Maritonians weighing in on the pilot project which will launch in their city this fall. The city has had a hard time keeping people with the disaster that we had so I mean if they need a break so that we can keep things going. For the general public that gives them one less day of a week where they can you know pay their taxes and go and negotiate or talk to anybody in City Hall or do what things that business they have to do with City Hall. The tight labor market across BC is especially harsh in Metro Vancouver. The Greater Vancouver Board of Trade says the three biggest challenges facing businesses are inflation, input costs and labor shortages. 40% of businesses reporting difficulties in recruiting skilled employees. 34% having a tough time retaining staff. The problems across all sectors. I think everybody's having trouble. You see hiring signs on every store in town pretty well. The city of Merritt will try the shorter work week for a year. Officials hoping a work-life balance in the heart of the Nicola Valley with cheaper housing than much of BC will be a competitive lure. Well, I'm sure we'd all like to have a four-day week. <laughs> Maybe I'll go apply at the city. <laughs> Romina Dea, Global News. Well, with the COVID-19 vaccine mandate at the border set to expire at the end of this month and the ArriveCan app becoming optional, it makes it a lot easier to travel into Canada. And as Richard Zussman explains, these changes have the tourism industry excited about the future. Open air ahead. I think things are getting back to normal, so that's good. A sense of relief for many travelers. Ottawa set to lift significant travel restrictions still left. As of October 1st, visitors to Canada will no longer have to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Unvaccinated Canadians returning home will no longer need to quarantine. And the cumbersome ArriveCan app will become optional. That's fun. We need to open up. It concerns me a little, but I think the virus isn't causing death as frequently as it used to. The federal cabinet still grappling with whether to remove the mandate requiring masks on planes and trains. They were useful, but at the same time, not everybody is wearing them the correct way. So I think we could drop them. Potential international visitors have been pointing to arrive can and the vaccine mandate as reasons not to come to Canada. It has cost the local economy millions of dollars, with conference and conventions already booked elsewhere and it being too late to salvage this year. If you've ever attended a convention or a conference, you probably add a day or two on at the beginning or the end and you maybe travel to other destinations. Those dollars are super important. Really what it allows us to do is plan for next year. We're too late for this year. We've come through the peak season, but next year and the years following, we can really build back with international visitors. The tourism sector says there is one last big hurdle. That's ensuring there are enough workers to provide the experience that travelers want when they arrive here, something they're asking government to help with. It's about really adjusting the immigration strategy and allowing people of all skill levels to come into the country. 
with a path for citizenship. Uh, we appreciate in the short term that we'll need some temporary workers, but that is not sustainable for communities. Early projections showing as travel into the country gets easier, tourism numbers will not just bounce back, but soar beyond pre-pandemic levels. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. BC's rollout of the bivalent COVID vaccine booster is gathering momentum as the province takes delivery of more shots. Keith Baldry has the latest numbers for us. Keith, how's this uh, latest round of uh, vaccine handouts going? Yeah, things are looking good. We've got a few days of data now to look at, and the number of vaccinations have really ramped up uh, in the early stages of this fall campaign. Here are the numbers. Take a look at this. We've got more than 91,000 doses now have been administered uh, as of yesterday. Uh, of that, uh, about 19,000 appointments are made for today and tomorrow, and it's a weekend, so it's going to slow down a bit. But 1.2 million invitations have been sent out so far, and now we're at the age group. This is going to start getting younger. It's now people age 56 and over are getting the invitation. That number is going to drop continuously through the coming days, Sophie. People in their 40s are going to get their invitations fairly soon. A couple other observations. Almost all the doses right now are fourth doses or the second booster. We're still not moving the numbers of people getting their first uh, uh, booster or their third dose. That number has been stuck at, at 2.8 million for some time. So it appears right now on a daily basis the numbers continue to increase. We'll be hitting 20,000 a day, 30,000 a day, and that's almost entirely fourth doses, people getting their second dose the second booster. So again, you've more than 1.5 million British Columbians have received invitations to get their third dose or their first booster and have yet to take it up. But as we approach the respiratory illness season, it's in everyone's, uh, everyone's interest to get vaccinated mm -hmm. with multiple doses. Looking forward to my uh, invitation, hopefully soon. Thanks, Keith. Yeah. Well, we are seeing some serious pain at the pump this week with one of the largest, fastest price increases in recent memory. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it's predicted to get even worse over the weekend. It might have been expected, but the sticker shock still hurts. Filling up Friday morning at 214.9. By the afternoon, gas around Metro Vancouver was as high as 218.9. A huge spike in prices that analysts say is due to short supply and maintenance on a key pipeline. The big question is why, and there are many, but uh, has lots to do with what's happening south of the border. All of this came within just the last few days. On Tuesday, the price at the pump well under $2 a litre. A nine-cent hike Wednesday was only the beginning. Thursday, the price went up again, another five cents. And Friday, the oil companies added 10 more cents to the price. People have already started changing their behavior around driving. This last price spike has only made people less likely to drive. It's a must only. Drive when we must. I'm not, not quite ready to go fully electric, but I'm definitely interested. The changing behavior can be seen in alternative modes of travel. Evo Car Share is hitting the airways hard with spots encouraging people to sign up. According to BCAA, the sharing service now has 200,000 members significant growth from last year. We regularly do research with our members and they're telling us that uh, gas prices are a factor in how many trips they're taking. Um, some have even told us they, they've chosen to sell their vehicle. People are still willing to pay $2.19 for gas. And why not? The increases are not done yet. Expect another two cent per litre increase Saturday and then 13 more cents Sunday. Gas, Monday morning, 
could be as high as 233 a liter. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, it looks like shopping is coming back into fashion, with retail sales rising following a summer slump. According to Statistics Canada, retail sales bumped up a smidge in August by 0.4%. July's official numbers, though, were the opposite, seeing a decline in sales by 2.5%. BC alone was down $8.5 million. Leading the drop was gas, falling almost 10% in Canada, with core sales like clothes and groceries decreasing by less than 1%. A big change is coming to the Lonsdale waterfront. ICBC has announced it's vacating the North Van office where it's been located for more than four decades. Why they're moving shop and what will happen to the publicly owned building next on the News Hour. Wild video of a suspected impaired driver on a rampage coming up on the News Hour. And preparing for the worst as they hope for the best, Atlantic Canada awaits the arrival of Major Storm Fiona. Right now, though, ICBC's big blue head office in North Vancouver has been a waterfront landmark for years. But the corporation just announced its plans to leave the building. It raises a lot of questions about what's next for this prime piece of real estate. Kristen Robinson reports. It's been a fixture on Lower Lonsdale since 1980. But ICBC's days in this North Vancouver building are numbered. The insurance corporation announcing it will be vacating its just under 300,000 square feet of office space on West Esplanade in the next three to five years, leaving the prime real estate recently assessed at $103.2 million empty. I would imagine that there would be some significant density that would uh, have to come for residential development there. So you would probably see something like a, a high-rise building built in that place. ICBC says only a few hundred people now work inside these six stories, which used to house 1,500 employees before the pandemic. Today we have a very big head office building that's only 20 to 40 percent occupied on any given day. So it doesn't make sense. It's not fiscally responsible of our customers' money for us to uh, stay long term. Were you guys worrying? Yeah. While no one will be rolling until 2025 at the earliest, the sushi restaurant next door, which relies on ICBC for its lunch rush, is concerned. I'm afraid that our dining dine tables and it's going to get all empty. A lot of our regulars are um, ICBC. They come for lunch and they'll also do takeaway. While some business may be lost, former North Vancouver City Mayor Daryl Musato, who helped transform Lower Lonsdale into a waterfront destination, believes there will be long-term gain whether ICBC leases or sells the building. We'll miss ICBC, but I don't think it'll be as devastating as it would have been, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Hopefully in the longer term, the replacement value will be in the new, the new residence. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, crying out for justice in Iran. We want our basic human rights. We don't want anyone to tell us what to wear. Women around the world and here in B.C. willing to stand up against Iran. Also tonight, what a UBC study reveals about HIV transmission in the time of COVID. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. A gathering at the B.C. legislature late this afternoon to protest the death of a young woman in Iran. Protesters are condemning the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who died last week while in the custody of Iran's morality police. She'd reportedly been arrested for wearing her hijab improperly. Her death sparking protests in Iran and around the world. The Iranian government has imposed an internet blackout, preventing people from contacting their families in Iran. The gathering at the legislature, just one of many such protests in Canada, including a major gathering today in Toronto. Shalima Maharaj reports. A woman, if doesn't wear the hijab, they're going to be imprisoned, they're going to be arrested. She may be far from Iran, but what's happening there right now is top of mind for PhD student Maryam Fashandi, one of the organizers of a rally to raise awareness at the U of T. We are trying to be their voice. The death of Masa Amini has led to widespread condemnation from several countries. The 22-year-old was arrested in Tehran on September 13th for wearing her hijab too loosely and died while in custody. We want our basic human rights. We don't want anyone to tell us what to wear. We don't want to be beaten to death. We don't want to be imprisoned for freedom of speech. Iranian officials have since claimed Amini died of a heart attack, a claim her family strongly disputes. There are reports that Ms. Amini was beaten on the head with a baton and her head was banged against the vehicle by so-called morality police. Iran has since been engulfed by protests largely led by women, some cutting their hair, some burning their headscarves. Iran's president was slated for a sit-down with veteran CNN journalist Christiana Manpour. He insisted she wear a headscarf. Manpour pointed out there were no laws requiring it in New York, where the interview was being shot, and declined. The president withdrew from the interview, even as tensions continued to escalate in his country. For Yasamin Sadigi, it's personal. She grew up in Iran. I hope that the core of their demands are heard. Just, we don't want the Iranian regime. We've had enough. Um, and that they're not, again, thrown crumbs and, su- and suppressed and uh, beaten into silence. Up next, a driver on a rampage. It's like I'm watching a Fast and Furious. Police had their hands full taking this guy into custody, and it wasn't the first time. And Canadian research leads to a breakthrough. What this little probe can see inside your body. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Got some crazy video to show you now. It started as a traffic stop on a suspected impaired driver. And what happened next in Brampton, Ontario was all captured on camera. And as you'll see in the shocking images, it's amazing that nobody, including the officers, was hurt. Global's Erica Vella reports. It's like I'm watching a Fast and Furious here. This man says he heard a bang coming from his front yard Thursday afternoon when he looked outside. We came out and we saw this uh, little drama going on here with all the cop cars. It was all caught on camera. The video shows a white Jeep mounted on a sidewalk. The vehicle backs up and then accelerates, hitting a tree. The Jeep reverses once again, narrowly missing a police officer before hitting a light standard. They eventually managed to stop him. It was crazy. It's very scary. 
The driver was arrested a short time later. Police say 31-year-old Yudbir Rendawa from Quebec was taken to hospital for a health assessment. He's now facing several charges, including impaired operation of a vehicle. This driver, so he has a criminal record for flight from police from impaired operation. Two other passengers, 41-year-old Harpreet Sagu from Brampton and 23-year-old Jashan Preet Singh, also from Quebec, were arrested and charged with drug-related offenses. Seeing the cops there and this guy just driving over somebody's lawn and destroying a tree and somebody else's property was a lot. Police say this all unfolded shortly after 3 p.m. on Thursday, just meters away from a park and a school. A lot of kids take the public transit home or walk home, so there's kids on the sidewalks everywhere. This could have been way worse. We're so lucky that no pedestrians were hurt. The homeowner now left picking up the pieces of the aftermath. The tree uh, fell down and then the, the, the damage is to my property. But breathing a sigh of relief that no one was physically hurt. Eric Vella, Global News. Well, there's no doubt COVID restrictions took a toll on everyone, but there's new evidence that one group in particular paid a high price. UBC researchers say during COVID, there was a spike in HIV transmission among people who use drugs. That reversed a long period of stability. They say the spike likely happened because drug users reduced their use of overdose prevention services and safe consumption sites. Still, the number of new HIV diagnoses in this province overall continued a decade-long decline during COVID, likely because of people having fewer social contacts. Have you ever wondered if the medicine you're taking is actually treating the issue you want it to? Canadian researchers wondered the same thing and then invented a new radiation-free way to track drugs as they move through the body. Global's Montana Getty breaks down the science. Two scientists from Western University in Ontario have invented a glow-in-the-dark drug tracker for the human body. The probe is believed to be the first of its kind. Instead of using radiation to emit light, it's charged by UV rays before entering the body. Master's student and scientist Wei Tung Shu says the probe is almost like a glow stick because it stays lit after being activated. As soon as we realized the luminescence intensity didn't decrease by that much, um, we were very excited. The new material could be used to track medication given to patients who have cancer or bone diseases. Another scientist on the project says this gives medical professionals an upper hand when it comes to proper treatment. They can incorporate this probe and then they can have a full understanding of like the, the complete path of how this drug gets into human body, whether it interacts with any organs, and then whether it ends up directly to the target. They use the Canadian light source to see the interaction between the light and the drug carrier. They basically wanted to com uh, combine these two together and make uh, a new synthesized composite that can be used uh, for drug delivery and bioimaging systems. Scientists are now able to take the next step in their work, testing to see if the probe will actually work inside the human body. Montana Getty, Global News. Up next, the latest on Fiona from Atlantic Canada. Storm chips, there is, there is an item called storm chips. Are you Residents prepare for what could be a long night when the storm makes landfall. And in sports, the BC Lion who brings a good luck charm to work and why his teammates were horrified at first.
Hurricane Fiona is about to make landfall in Atlantic Canada. It's expected to be a generational event with winds up to 160 kilometers an hour and huge waves slamming ashore. It's also going to drop a huge amount of rain. And as Kyle Benning reports, people have been racing all day to stock up on emergency supplies. Storm chips. There is, there is an item called storm chips. Are you Nova Scotians are loading up on essentials and snacks as Hurricane Fiona is set to hit Canada's east coast. Supermarkets have seen an influx of customers, with the residents being warned to have enough food for three days. It's important to stock up ahead of time, and if you need it, great. If you don't need it, well, it's no harm done. And while food and water is top of mind for many on Cape Breton Island, Safety is something others have seen tested before. It's because they're hanging over the power lines and they're older trees and we lost quite a few during Dorian and some of the houses here lost power for five days because of it. That duration is leaving people on edge. Total rainfall from the storm could exceed more than 200 millimeters in some areas. Environment Canada has put out hurricane, rainfall, storm surge and wind warnings for Fiona with the weather system anticipated to slow down as it approaches Nova Scotia's coast. It might take that 12 hours to get from um, from where it makes landfall in eastern in eastern parts of Nova Scotia to somewhere in the in the Gulf. Uh, later on Saturday afternoon. Early Friday, the hurricane passed through Bermuda, transitioning from a Category 4 to Category 3 storm. Gusts raced faster than 165 kilometers per hour on the British island, with similar wind speeds expected in eastern Canada, raising concerns about the damage it might cause. The military was called in after the storm stemming from Hurricane Dorian struck Nova Scotia back in 2019. We haven't uh, pulled the trigger yet as far as requesting their official assistance. But it's certainly something that we'll be looking at closely uh, once the impacts uh, hit Nova Scotia. The federal government is mobilizing resources to support however needed. So please stay safe. It leaves everyone hoping for the best. Kyle Benning, Global News. Hmm. Everyone across the country hoping uh, for that for sure. We've got a lot of news crews out there covering it. So keep it here on the weekend just to see what happens out there. But... As far as it goes out here, still more summer weather on the way. I know we were really lucky, but we're still tracking this storm. As you mentioned, all eyes on that storm. Absolutely, Chris. I wanted to just give you a quick update. So it is still Category 3, the eye of the hurricane south of the Cape Breton area. And it's really that Cape Breton area that we're watching. But it's going to weaken significantly. It's actually going to amalgamate with a trough. And that's going to break its sort of uh, hurricane um, formation. Nonetheless, this is a powerful hurricane uh, or storm Uh potentially the strongest this area has ever seen. Wind gusts potentially up to 175 kilometers an hour for that Cape Breton area. And then it's on top of the storm surge and the waves could be up to 14 meters. So incredible uh, impact on this area. And then the slowdown is what is a big concern because we could see up to 200 millimeters of rain along these areas. So it could be days before these areas uh, really come out of the impact from this storm. And we'll have a much better idea, of course, tomorrow because it's dark there. It's night there right now as it's making its way in. Meanwhile, for here, we saw some cloud cover, a few showers, but that really didn't amount to much rainfall. We need rainfall. We still have that category four uh, drought level across the south coast and northeastern corner of the province. That means adverse effects are likely. Uh, and we didn't get much out of this system. It really fizzled and it's going to shift out. We're right back into summer-like conditions, likely for four days. Meanwhile, a bit of a different ball game for those of you across the north. 
north coast. Uh, cooler conditions and rainfall expected there, but that's really the only area. Uh, for the south coast, we are going to see some cloud cover tomorrow morning, but we're right back into heat and summer-like weather. In fact, on Sunday, we could see temperatures soar to 26 degrees, and we could see that again on Monday. It's not until Wednesday that we're expecting more rainfall. All right, tonight's central windows weather window. Looking back at yesterday in the White Rock area, enjoying that sunshine, Jody was saying. And yes, I'm sure you were, and you've got more of it on the way. All right, back to you. Beautiful. Thank you, Christy. All right, Squire is here now. You have something little tiny bit creepy coming up. <laughs> Did you ever see, well, there was the movie version of It, and there was also the TV movie version of It, which actually was filmed in Vancouver. Did you guys ever see that? No. I don't think I did. Okay. There's a creepy clown mm -hmm. is the scary character, Pennywise the clown. So in tonight's BC Lion story, Pennywise will feature prominently. You're probably wondering why. You might be a bit freaked out, but I think you'll like it nonetheless. It's not quite as scary as the actual It movie, okay. but Pennywise is in the story. Okay. All right. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, there is no alternative for satellite debris. Forget about the alternative. Squires back out of great tragedy often comes great triumph, and that's what a lot of people were hoping for Brock Besser. Yes, uh, Brock Besser, of course, is hoping to improve on his 23-goal season, which he had last year. Now, last year was difficult. You probably heard the story. He was dealing with his dad's illness, Duke's illness, and then he passed away in late May. And one of the things that helped Besser deal with the tragedy was the great support from his Canuck teammates. You know, when you spend this much time with, with those guys, they're some of your best friends. So, um, you know, everyone, everyone's been so supportive. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a guy to really talk about that stuff. Uh, you know, I just, like, last year to try and make an excuse or anything. But um, I didn't really open up with those guys until the end of the year of, you know, how bad everything was. Or, you know, when Petey saw my dad in Minnesota. So, um, you, know, I, you know, when I did open up, they were, they were all, uh, you know, sending me texts and stuff and checked in on me in the summer. So it meant a lot. Some other sad news from the Vancouver Canucks. Stan Smeal, who has worked for the Canucks since he was drafted by them as a player back in 1978, lost his wife Jennifer. The Canucks announced this morning that Jennifer Smeal died. She was Stan's wife for 42 years, married 42 years, and she was a big part of Canuck charities for a long time, stretching right back to the 80s. She helped found Canuck Place, so our condolences to Stan and his family. Well, the first of two exhibition games in less than a week for Canada's men's national soccer team took place this morning in Austria. Canada was facing the World Cup host from Qatar, which had been on a bit of a good roll of late, but they were no match for our guys. Let's see how Canada did for John Herdman. Got off to a fast start. We had our best out there, and one of our best is Kyle Laren, who heads in this offering from Santa Atacube. That would make it 1-0 in just the fourth minute. Milan Borian had to make a couple of saves in this game. Here's one after Canada made it 1-0. Mohamed Wadshot is pulled down by Borian. Then Jonathan David scored off a bit of a scramble here. And watch what happens after he scores. 
He blocks out the Nike logo on his shirt. Canada's not happy that Nike is not giving them new uniforms for the World Cup. Pretty much every other team got one. Canada didn't because I guess they changed their uniforms just recently and Nike said, no, we don't have time. They're not happy about it. So there, block the swoosh. 2-0 for Canada. Borean's coming out. No breakaways on him today. Kicks it in the touch. This nobody wants to see. Alfonso Davies going down and calling for attention. No. Can't have this happen. Apparently, though, he was okay after limping off the field. Kamal Miller has a chance to make it 3-0. Isn't able to do it. Canada will play in Slovakia on Tuesday against Uruguay, which is ranked 13th in the world. That'll be a tough game, although Uruguay lost today 1-0 to Iran. So the BC Lions are home tomorrow night against the Calgary Stampeders at BC Place. If the Lions win, they will clinch a playoff spot. Now, if you're at the game and you look really closely at the Lions bench, you may see the creepiest good luck charm any team has ever had. And if you're a fan of Stephen King books and movies, the way defensive back Luchas Purifoy is, you're going to recognize it, and it is the key word here for sure. Say hello to Luchas's little friend. Well, I'm Pennywise, the dancing clown. It's creepy, you know what I'm saying? My nana texted me. She said I was sitting next to it on the bench and she saw it on TV and I didn't even realize it. But yeah, it's creepy, but hey, whatever gets him going, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. While it may scare others, Luchez Purifoy believes this version of Pennywise the Dancing Clown uses its powers for good, not evil. At first when I got here, I was carrying him around and everybody was just looking at me like, why are you carrying a doll around? But they don't understand, like, for me, it turned me into a different mode. So for me, like, for me to bring him out here and I'm, and I'm telling them like, all you gotta do is touch Penny and you're gonna make a play. And they, and they realize once I, like, I'm over there talking to him and I go out there and make a play and I come back and they like, yeah, that dog really is like helping you. Penny brings a lot of energy to the team. Like, uh, I mean, if you don't know, Penny's always around. You know, if, if you mess up on a play, Penny's gonna talk to you. So <laughs> I'm glad we got Penny on our side. <laughs> Football gets stagnant sometimes. So you always gotta have something to bring fun around. Cause if you're doing the same thing, you get bored with it. But with Penny, you can't get bored. Pennywise is always with Purifoy, and therefore, he's always with the BC Lions. I've seen him on planes and buses and, uh, and all that stuff, so he's been, seems to be following us around. I hope I don't have nightmares at night. We all got our things in our niches that, 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 that push us, and Pennywise is his. For Purifoy, Pennywise has proven his worth. I want to play. When he's forgotten to take him to a game, he hasn't played well at all. But when he is there, Good things happen. So it's deeper than just football for me. Like, if I leave him, I feel like I just left my best friend. Well, it's farewell to Roger Federer at the Laver Cup today in London. He was paired with Rafael Nadal. Didn't win against the world team of Tiafo and Sock, but nobody really cared. They just wanted to see Federer one more time. No need to tell you, but I'll tell you anyways. He leaves the game as one of the greatest players ever and one of the greatest gentlemen in tennis mm -hmm. as well. I go. saw a lot of, like, tears from Federer and Nadal. It was very... Close friendship yeah. and... Very sweet. A lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's sort of nobody who says a bad word in tennis about Roger Federer. Nobody. Mm -hmm. That's true. All right, thanks, Squire. We'll be back with Satellite Debris next. There are no substitutes for Satellite Debris. <laughs> nope.
That's true. <laughs> and you know what? And we have anapomorphic animals, which is, I we love do. it. Sophie loves that stuff. Okay, so first one is for pistachios, and the second one is for corn meat substitute. Here we go. <laughs> I recently discovered that pistachios are a good source of protein. That's why they're my go-to snack while I get back in shape. Ah! Um, that one's broken. New corn ham-style slices make the most delicious sandwiches. In fact, they're so tasty. I wouldn't bother wondering what the alternative might be. What alternative? Exactly! Forget about the alternative, Lisa. Corn deli slices, so tasty. Why choose the alternative? You know what's better than talking <laughs> animals? It's talking animals who have British accents. It's and our puppets. And, and, and our puppets and speak like this. <laughs> Okay, this <laughs> want to know what ham style is. I guess I got to buy some of that. Find yeah, out. Check it out. Ham style. Okay, so this is an old favorite of mine and a few other people. The real men of genius ads put out by Bud Light. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Ground beef, refried beans, guacamole, cheese, sour cream, and if there's any room left, a few shreds of lettuce. I don't see no lettuce. A culinary creation that baffles the human mind. A 12,000 calorie salad. Acaromba. Some may ask, is your taco salad healthy? Of course it is. It's a salad, isn't it? You can eat that deep fried crunchy bowl. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light conquistador of the calorie. You put the feast in Fiesta. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. Wow, that was 2004. Great series. Didn't realize it was that far back. Okay, this is new. This is 2022. Um, back market tech, which I guess takes your phones and such and refurbishes them. Here we go.
Sorry, cats. You're not the only ones. Tech now has multiple lives, too. Choose renewed on Black Market. It took a while to get there. I know. It takes a while, a while to, to get, get there. there. But the fact that cats were acting a bit freaky, maybe not Pennywise freaky, but a little but, freaky, yeah. kept your attention. It's, it's sort of fitting for cats. They have uh, nine lives. There was a real Halloween feel to, to this show today. That's and a good it's point. Too early. It's just too early. Uh, not too early for the candy, but yeah, I get you. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's check in with Christy one last time before I the weekend. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, we just officially had the first full day of fall, although it felt like fall, that's for sure. But we're back to sunshine over the weekend, everyone. In fact, we're going to see four days of sunshine before the rain is expected to return. So enjoy it. We've got lots more summer-like weather on the way. All right, we'll make the most of it. Thanks, Christy, and thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend. Good night, all.